Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to Irish Illustrated Insider. I'm Tim Priest with Tim O'Malley and Pete Sampson. It's Monday, November 25th. Notre Dame defeats Boston College 40-7. to Before I forget, I want to remind everybody that our podcast schedule moving forward We'll have uh, one the day before Thanksgiving, Wednesday, November 27th. And then because of our travel coming back from Stanford, the one after that will be Tuesday, December 3rd. So Notre Dame beats Boston College 40-7. to For a long time, it didn't look like it was going to be that one-sided. Notre Dame's offense sputtered a little bit out of the gate as Boston College gave, gave them a variety of different looks that they struggled with. But eventually, Ian Book and the offense got it going, and Clark Lee's defense once again comes up with a way to stifle the opposing offense. Kelly opened today, or not open today, but about Boston College by saying, you know, they got to, I got to give them credit for giving them some stuff we hadn't seen. That was the bye week, probably. Notre Dame is 7-0 against the teams they faced on the seven byes, and uh, they lost after their own bye, too. Yeah. So they're 8-0, byes are undefeated. Symmetry with yes. that loss to, to the, Michigan, uh, right? But, yeah, I mean, that Notre Dame, obviously things didn't look there were inefficiencies were back for a quarter, and then once you got, you, you kind of figured once they got that first touchdown on the board, the second touchdown of the game, <laughs> as I pointed out in the past, that they would start rolling, and uh, in the second half they sure did. Yeah, it was interesting to sort of real-time the fan reaction to like, oh, God, this is happening. And they're like, no, Dame always plays down to his competition. And I'm like, I don't know, guys. It's like the game just started. Uh, you know, give it a minute. You know, and lo and behold, they win 40-7. to Boston College really has one offensive play in the entire game. I think they average about 2.4 yards per play yeah. if you take that 39-yard uh, completion out of it. Yeah, Clark Lee was outstanding. I think that the offense with Chip Long and Ian Book have found something together. Um, I just, Ian Book, there are more guys open and he's seeing more yeah, guys open. Yes. Uh, yes. So it's there. a combination of things. He's still, I mean, every, every quarterback misses some. I thought he missed Tommy Tremble before he hit Chris Fink. He may have been under duress at that point. And that was the thing that, you know, I hear that, well, Ian Book had happy feet again. Well, yeah, because he was being pressured. He wasn't pressured by Duke and Navy. Uh, but the offensive line didn't perform well. They didn't run block well. And I, and I thought even times when there was a three-man rush – I'm not saying that there weren't times when Book maybe escaped a little bit too early, but Ian Book running is a part of Notre Dame's yeah. offense. It's it's the it's best of their leading rusher for right, games in exactly. a row. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's, it's the key it's, part of one aspect of their offense. Too much a part of the yeah. offense. It, it is. I mean, obviously that's not ideal, but that's how they're having success now. And Ian Book is running it effectively. He got knocked around. I thought. I thought Boston College. I mean, when you go back and look at this game, Notre Dame got beaten up pretty badly. I thought Boston College was physical, but they just don't have enough talent. And then once Notre Dame, as you mentioned, Tim, once they got that second touchdown, the floodgates kind of opened at that point. And, uh, you know, much like Notre Dame's defense collapsed against Michigan because the offense couldn't move the football, the same thing happened to Boston College. At a certain point, if you're going three and out and your longest drives are six plays for 11 yards, your defense is eventually going to cave in, especially one that's not very good, and Boston College's isn't. 
Notre Dame's defense has played exceptionally well of late. Pete and I talked about this a little bit prior to the press conference Saturday. It's not that they're playing bad offenses, they're playing one-dimensional offenses, and they're destroying those dimensions. Now, Duke was a bad offense, but Virginia Tech was one-dimensional with Patterson. Navy, obviously. Boston College, clearly. I mean, they, they made USC one-dimensional. In Stanford's that also one-dimensional. Stanford is one-dimensional. Um, they're, they're going to be a pass-first team, because for the second year in a row, they're in the bot in the bottom ten uh, of rushing offense, and Notre Dame's, what, number six in pass-efficiency defense? Going in, a part of that is they don't play passing teams, but... Stanford being in some trouble with what they have bring what they're bringing to the table. A one-dimensional offense does not match up well against Clark Lee. Well, and, it's incredible. I mean, Stanford is 112th in yards per carry, 124th in carries per game, and 127th in rushing touchdowns. And they were close to that last year. They were. Yeah, it's, 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 that's what's really out of there. It's strange. Situation. Yeah, and that's not. I mean, Stanford needs to be a strong rushing team for Stanford to be Stanford and that's why that's a big reason why they're four and seven and, and defensively. Um you know, I mean it's just not the typical Stanford team. We have a question about whether this is the new norm for Stanford. You know, we'll see moving forward, but I but I think we were I mean what are we more surprised at? The way they were able to sustain the 10, 11 wins Year after year, or that they're four and seven and struggling a little bit. I mean, I think there's a happy medium there. It's probably the something medium, right. Yeah. It's probably probably more in the seven and five, eight and four range. Yeah, I mean, I think the fact that they were as good as they were for as long as they were is the shock. I mean, it's like right. they, they went through a Frank Leahy Notre Dame era for a while there, and that's that's come to an end. Well, and they were recruiting accordingly. I mean, they had they had some big time players up front on their defense, and when you have that, you have a chance to win. And they don't have that now. Um, Casey Tuhill maybe being. The exception, but uh, you know they, they had bodies. They had big bodies, and they were sending them to the NFL. Um, I guess they're still doing that to to some extent prior to this year. But um, putting a wrap on on Boston College, Justin Dore continues to be outstanding. I just love I just love the way he operates. It's just like he's going out for a day at the beach and just calmly. You know, he doesn't the one the few times that I know that he hurried a forty seven yarder earlier in the year, and it's just like. Just stay with who you are and what you do, and it doesn't have to be overly complicated. And when he gets back to that pace, he's just outstanding. Kicking four field goals, adds a couple more 40-plus yarders. Uh, and he was, I thought Brian Kelly's point after the game, that as the offense was spinning its wheels, you could count on Jonathan Doerr, uh to keep, I mean, to give your, give your uh, Notre Dame offense a, a two-score lead by halftime. He was the MVP of the first half, and you know you don't think about it now because the score was so lopsided, and Boston College ended up looking inept. But it, if he misses two of those three, it's I, he probably doesn't win. But boy, are people mad going into right. that halftime situation? Right. He, look, he's he's been great. He he's hit pressure kicks. He's allowed to miss a kick. He's a first year kicker, and other than that, he's just been he's been outstanding. I thought it was interesting that Brian Kelly bypassed the 41 yard field goal that would have given them a nine, seven lead. Um, Ian book completes the pass on fourth and three and they end up scoring a touchdown, which is significant. But I thought at the time, man, you know, take the points because it's, it's a, it's a sure thing with, with door, but um, he stuck with it and scored that touchdown. And that kind of got the offense moving. Yeah, I mean, Doris, 10 for those last 11, <coughs> four of those have come from 45 yards or more. Wow. Um, it's a still a long way from wondering how Harrison Leonard looks. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's he's ended two halves with clutch kicks, too, because yeah. they were not they were close enough. It was USC and, and a close game against BC. Inj- Injuries really taking a toll on Notre Dame. Myron Tagovailoa Mosa has not been ruled out, but I would be shocked if he did play in this game. That's why on Sunday, Brian Kelly said he was going to have MRI. So I said, well, since he's having an MRI, that means he's out. Oh, no, that doesn't mean that he's out, but I think that he is. Uh, which is forcing Nordame once again to be more creative. They moved Jacob Lacey from nose tackle to three technique last week, and it sounds like Isaiah Foskey will play a role in this game, which may give them some flexibility with their defensive ends who have slipped inside in passing situations before. I'm with you in terms of the stuff that I'm hearing about MTA that he won't play this weekend. Right. Um, you know, back, <clears throat> back for the bowl is the outlook there. And, you know, that, that hurts them a little bit, but, again, Stanford can't run the ball, so... I think that should be okay. Uh, Lacey has been outstanding, and you know, we're, I think we talked about this last Monday. It's just the difference between a nose and a three technique. Is, you did say it, it. It's not like we're not splitting the atom here. No, right? it's true, but Jacob Lacey's not a three technique as much as he thinks that he is. Yeah, but it's like you could shoehorn him into no, that right. for a couple weeks. Yeah, and, and he did. And, and that I, worked yeah. out okay. Yeah, and he, he did. He played well. Um, I, I You know, when I hear outstanding – I don't know that he's a difference maker there on the inside, but I heard that I thought that word, and I immediately thought of fan reaction and our reaction versus a coach. He is outstanding, in that he's a 18 year old that we have moved to two Absolutely. spots and helped our Absolutely. team relatively yeah. outstanding. Right. Outstanding. And as long yes. as Nordings linebackers continue to play like they're playing against a younger, beaten up offensive line for Stanford, you know, you still again should be sound against the run. You're you're going to prepare differently, obviously, for Stanford than you would. For Boston College, almost completely differently to a large extent. But, um, yeah, as long as your linebackers are playing really, really well, um, and I, we include Usu Koromoa in that group, and he's, man, he's making a case to be a buck linebacker, especially when Brian Kelly talks about how well he played in the box on Saturday. I'm pretty sure that that's ultimately where he's going to move next year. It seems like it because they like Moala and Kaiser, so they have right. what they want at Rover, and now we... All those years of us waiting for Jeremiah Usakormo to become the rover everybody wanted, it lasted a year. Yeah. <laughs> so, recruited for the position, moving the buck. It's just a, <laughs> so I guess Kaiser will be the buck in about three right, years. Right, yeah. years. Yeah, you're right. Find a, somebody else. It's a tra- it appears to be a transitional position. It's a combination. They always say combination strong safety linebacker. But I like how still, he plays it, man. No, Jeremiah no doubt. Usa-Kormoa. Well, and 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 Usakormoa. He gives you flexibility then, I guess. I'm really looking ahead now. You know, once he's established as a buck linebacker, maybe it's situa- the Clemson matchup. Yeah. Yeah. No, well, I mean, situationally. Could he because- replace Ian Book at quarterback? <laughs> no, I'm just talking about two positions, and they're both on defense. He gives you that flexibility where if you need somebody, because he, he was so great against Navy, you know, playing the slot back. Um, so he's versatile enough to be inside and play physically, be outside and run some things down on the edge. I like him a lot. I think you know, the the linebackers have overachieved by such a wide margin. It's you know, I I think during the game I tweeted out like Jonathan Dorr is the most improved player. It's not even close, but Asmar uh, Bilal is certainly in that conversation. Um, you know, and, and like Drew White, I, we we haven't thought about Drew White. Like, ah, oh, Drew White made a that's exactly yeah. right. That's exactly right. Yeah. I mean, you just take him for granted. He's automatic. But I, you know, go ahead, Tim. I think Asmar um, among the linebackers is. The, the thing that is the topic because the coaches didn't believe in Asmar Bilal completely. Where I, I, I think Brian Kelly and Clark Lee, 
felt Drew White would do his job for them. And we all loved Jeremiah Wusu-Kormo to the point where we opened camp and someone said to us, hey, I think Paul Moal is going to take the job. And all three of us said, no, he's not. It is not <laughs> happening there, not even. He is he is number two. So Asmar could have been replaced after game one. And as Pete said in the last two weeks, he's irreplaceable. He's literally cannot be taken out he, of the line. He really right is. I, I, I think it's interesting. If, we, if you went back and looked at Bilal playing Rover last year, and Bilal playing Buck this year. At Rover, and he would have been the same way at Buck last year, he's looking around. He doesn't really know what he's seeing. And is okay, I'm looking at something, but I don't know what my keys are. So I'm, I'm kind of moving just because I think I should be moving, but I don't know where I should go. Now, if you watch him play, he doesn't waste steps. You can see that what he's looking at, it's making sense and it's computing. When he takes a step, it's a step for a reason. It, it's... It's a 180-degree turn. And you can imagine being in, being in that position when you're a young and or inexperienced player at a position. You're looking at things and you don't know what the hell they mean. Now he's looking, he understands it, and his play matches that. He might have been replaced if Owusu Koromoa was healthy last year at some point. If Owusu Koromoa understood it, because he is so quick twitch and... Yeah. And I mean, I think they both... Yeah. Of know, course. Owusu Koromoa needed... The second year to sure. understand what he's doing, and, right. and Bilal needed four years. And to understand of course, what he's the doing. way we view a guy being benched, and the way a coach's coach views a guy right. being benched, they see a lot more, and obviously can make that kind of judgment. So, anyway, segment two coming up: burning up the boards. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is segment two, burning up the boards. We start with a question from Volley Cheer on High. Who's a tougher player, Chase Claypool or Alohi Gilman? Also, what's the bigger loss of the team, Miles Boykin leaving early after last season or replacing Chase Claypool after this season? Well, the second half is easy. Uh, it's Claypool after this season because last year you could replace Miles Boykin with Chase Claypool. Right. Um, the first half, I don't know. I would... I'll throw in Claude Kareem to join them. Absolutely. Can they all can they all three be equally yeah. tough? Is that Drew Tranquil, tougher. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, you know, whatever. The, the varying degrees of toughness, but Alohi Gilman. I feel like Tranquil's the one that would cut off a cast to play. Yeah. That situation. So no, he's Nelson return ridiculous. from like a broken ankle in a yeah. week. I, I'm not questioning anything about him. Yeah, right. so he does, he does it in a more low key well, he doesn't like they weren't dragging him off the field off thing. Khalid Kareem. Yeah, he gets hurt a oh lot, too. Oh, my God. He, d- he does get hurt a lot, but, he I mean... He needs a break. He's he does. Not... Give me some time off, man. And, <laughs> and then still comes back in the game. Like, Gilman Gilman hurt. Gilman gets rolled on a kick return. And the game... I, I look... I'm, I'm re-watching the game last night, and it's 40-7. to 7, There's 10 minutes to go, and Gilman's still playing. You can't keep him off the field. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Chase Claypool... They're all tough. They're they're tough Nordain football yeah. players, and it's you know they're guys that teammates and future Nordain football players should emulate. Pretty incredible. Well, that's actually why I brought up True Tranquil because I think when you have guys like that and you play with guys like that and learn to respect 
players that go about it that way. You would hope that it carries on. Every you would hope to be wide receivers thinking they couldn't get that guy off the field. I'll give I'll give Gilman the nod based on longevity. Um, I think Claypool has been incredibly tough this year. Yeah, that's whereas a great point. Gilman sort yeah. of like been that way yeah. the whole time. Yeah, because you know football is the easiest part of his day because yeah. he was in the. <laughs> Irish, I was tailgating. Before camp, it was assumed by many that Jonathan Doerr would be beaten out by a preferred walk-on. Is he now a legitimate Lou Groza Award candidate, an NFL prospect heading into his senior year next year? I think you got to be concerned he's going to declare for the draft next, next month based on this question. <laughs> well, he is a prospect, though, because he's got the leg. Sure. Like Justin Yoon was never really a prospect because he didn't have the leg for it. Right. He's, he's he has, how good Yoon could be. Yeah, he was never going to kick in the we've NFL. Ta- you, you saw him. You were on a flight with him. I mean, and I've talked about this before. He's a big kid, man. I thought it he might is. be Tommy Tremble when I saw him. Is how big yeah. he is. It's the guy. Yeah, he's. I I can't believe how good he's been because it was still in August where we we're at Culver and he got out kicked in one of the two practices. No, not both, but all spring long. That's when we thought Harrison Letter might come in and stabilize it. I don't know if it was Thursday or Monday at Culver where. We wa- I think it was Thursday. We watched Harrison Leonard's kicks were just more consistent the way they came off. Yeah, that's yeah. that's not a thing anymore. No, and the next time we saw them, Leonard struggled, and from the and at that point, it was it. Yeah, uh, but we still thought you got to make a field goal in a game to for us to really yeah. believe anything that's going right. on. Right, and we were talking about making one of Georgia, which he did. Um, but no, he's been he's been great um, as far as. He's, first of all, he's number sixteen in the country in field goal percentage at eighty-five point seven percent. The is are kickers this good every year? Yes, I mean, this now. good because Nick Skiba from Wake Forest is twenty-one for twenty-one. Jonathan Song from TCU is twenty-two of twenty-three, and Blake Mazza at Washington State is eighteen of nineteen. So I guess the days of thirteen for twenty-two are gone. Oh man, you can't have that yeah. anymore. I mean, it's uh, it's incredible. So. Is he? Uh, I don't know what year any of those guys are exactly. I think Skiba still has eligibility, but um, I don't. You know, as, as far as an NFL candidate next year, you would think with his size and his distance that he would certainly be a candidate. Oh, Mullen, do you envision all the seniors playing in the bowl game? It's a good question. I, I we'll definitely throw some water on volley cheer on high's question about toughness. <laughs> <laughs> if those two, yeah. Said, yeah. Well, I, it's interesting. I, I noted this uh, in the tail of the tape. When you see Dr. Brian Radigan speaking with Khalid Kareem after he's come off the field, <laughs> that's not a, that's not a great. It's one thing for a trainer. It's another thing for a surgeon to be speaking <laughs> with him when he comes off the field. It may, I mean, immediately it thinks, okay, there's a shoulder issue that's going to have to be corrected when the season's over. So that leads me to the point: Would if he needs surgery right. on his shoulder? Although Jerry Tillery did, he'll play and still Chase play. Claypool will play in the bowl. Well, Jerry Tillery played in the playoff game, right? Yeah, but uh, I, oh, I, that's I right. think that, of Chase course. Of course, will, will play. Um, who would sit? You'd have to really be hurt. I don't think you do elective surgery until after the bowl game. I mean, let's say he gets hurt week two of bowl practices again, like really hurts his shoulder. Then you could. I mean, then you have to sit. It, it should be brought up that today, when asked directly about Tommy Kramer playing in a bowl game coming off the injury, yeah. it's that's very unlikely. He. Actually, started by saying he should be doing some stuff in the spring, right. which surprised me a little bit too. Yeah. Which is be, different than it was a different when question. He, yeah. Like well, Mullins, yeah, sitting out because you're going pro. Tommy Kramer's going right. pro. Right, 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 right. I don't see that from any of the current seniors trying to run through my head. That would I don't think go. any of them are that good of right. just good of prospects. Clay you know, Pool's the prospect. Good, you have injury. to be 
Kareem, a first Kareem, rounder. Would, Kareem would. Well, Kareem's probably not first rounder, no. but Kareem. Well, I mean, he could think about position. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's like this isn't Leonard Fournette and Christian McCaffrey. You know, I wouldn't think so. Aquara was their number one prospect, according to everybody, and he's already out. Yeah. Considering how many times Kareem has come back in after getting banged up, you would think that he would be inclined to go ahead and play in the. As bowl. long as no one, but pulls that's a I don't care what they do. If they want to announce her sitting out, that's fine. But don't just go, yay, when the ball doesn't yeah. go to your hands properly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Then don't yeah. play if don't you're play. going to do right. that. Irish boy one, is it still your opinion that Book will return? How much has changed with his recent performances? Yes, nothing. Nice. Yeah. Well, not yeah, the performances don't change Ian Book's draft status, other than it was humanly impossible he would be considered for anything the way he was playing against Michigan. And now he's done a good job to resurrect Notre Dame against defenses. He's a good college quarterback now. He's a good now. college quarterback now again, like we would hope he would be. I don't... I'm just hearing some inklings that may be contrary to that, and I'm not sure exactly what that means. Does that mean that he wants to go ahead and turn pro? Does that mean that he would consider grad transfer, which seems outrageous to me? I mean, I, I, I agree with you that he, I do believe he'll come back, but I'm just hearing some things that may indicate something contrary to that, and I don't really know exactly what that would mean. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I, I wouldn't – if there was a massive change on the offensive side of the ball, whether that is the roster or the coaches, that would not surprise me. But I think Ian Book will be back. Yeah, I'm sticking with – what from if, a month ago when he was playing poorly that I thought he'd be back. What so if, like, for whatever reason, Chip Long was gone? Then he would definitely be back. <laughs> right. Tommy Reese would be... Yeah, he'll be back. There's, he'll, he, 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 he's going to get an NFL evaluation. Right. They're going to tell him yes. to stay in school. And then he's going to they have to decide, should I try and go pro instead of coming back and having a great year? And the answer is no. It's, a, it's, it's, it's purely going to be a question of, do I want to be here or not? Um, it... Where you're going almost won't have, you know, this massive bearing on it. It's just like, do I want to be here or not? Like, I, in the case of Javon McKinley, based on people I've talked to, like, he doesn't, he will be surprised if he's here next year. Because he just wants to do something else. Yeah, I don't blame him. Javon McKinley, yeah. yes. Yeah. Right, let, That's, let's do this right now with Book, before we ever hear anything else about him. All three of us. Yeah. Rate him. One, two, three. Back, tries to go pro, grad transfers. That's my order. Back. Tries to go pro, grad transfers. For sure. I don't even know. Yeah, I mean, I can't. I, I'm saying I'm hearing inklings. I'm not saying right. that. But no, I, we've had I, different I, stuff going on since Michigan. We've all heard right. different yeah. things. So that's, I think that's where we yeah. stand. Um, we've had we had numerous questions on the running game and the offensive line. And I chose one, and we will ad- try to address everything that goes with that. And that is from Not Jay Tafel. How worried should we be that Ian Book has been the leading rusher for the fourth straight week? Uh, as worried as you should be that... Josh Lugg and Trevor Ruland are starting on the right side of the offensive line and is worried you should be that their running backs are a former Georgia Southern commitment and um, a handful of other three-star guys. They're just, it's not a, it's not a good spot right now. Um, their offensive line is not very good um, and their running back talent is what it is. It's running back talent is not really, I wouldn't say it's unchanged from what we thought it would be at the beginning of the season when we had sort of a low opinion of it. It's worse because Jafar Armstrong got hurt and really hasn't come back from it. I would say... And, he, and he, do we have a question about that? Maybe I'll save that comment. Uh, no, I'm just going to go ahead and say it and whatever. He got beaten out last week. Yeah. Sebo Flemister beat him out last week. Sure. That's why Sebo Flemister was taking reps ahead of him. I think Sebo Flemister is a much more natural running back. I've said that several times. 
He had two three-yard runs on Saturday, Flemister, that I thought were really good quality three-yard runs. As silly as that sounds, he totally maximized the opportunity he was given. He is the... Tony Jones is a is an instinctual, pure running back. He just doesn't have a lot of quickness. Flemister is number two on that list. And with all those things combined, how worried should you be this week? You shouldn't be worried at all. It's all fine. Well, I think you have Going to... Going into the bowl game, you can be worried about it. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to... It, okay, yeah, he's led... Book has led the team in rushing four straight weeks. I think you have to embrace the fact that he is an integral part of their running game, obviously. He needs to be in order for them to maximize their offense. Their offense is functioning as well as it has consistently all season, and a large part of that is because Ian Book is running the football. And to lead Creed's to not Jake DeFell's question, I didn't mean to be dismissive of it. If this was 2012 Stanford with their nail-chewing linebackers, you'd be really, 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 really worried they wouldn't gain a yard this week running the ball. Yeah, and it's fair too. I this is a concern for next year. If this is happening against Arkansas, like okay, yeah. you got big problems. Now you're just sort of like kind of mucking your way through to get through the end of the season. ND Quebec, Braden Lindsay makes good things happen. Is there a reason why he's not on the field more? Um, he's on the field a bunch now, so that's it's it's moving in a good direction. Um, he didn't travel to Duke, so it's kind of hard to get on the field in that instance. Uh, but he played a bunch. Uh, yeah, actually, did you get a snap count? Because I'm sure he had his most snaps. snaps against Navy, which was like weird. Um, you know, but when you go a lot of two tight ends, he's yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have not done the snaps for the entire game, but I mean, he played a lot. I would imagine um, it's his most snaps. And really, it's he against Louisville, Georgia, Virginia. He was zero zero zero. Um, you know, against USC, he had 23. Against Michigan, they had 32. Like Virginia Tech was 25. Um, I would think that's... And then he's been banged up, so that's fine, really, since then. Yeah, and he's having... You know, when I had my interview with uh, Jack Swarbrick in the summer, he said one of the... He literally said it's at the top of their list, is making sure that their athletes get the proper amount of rest and sleep. And Lindsay was having issues. And when, when that happens... I mean, it's just... It's very difficult to maximize your ability as an athlete. So there's been some things that have prevented him from, you know, being at 100% this year. They're getting him as many snaps, I think, as they feel they can to get him to the next game. He's a lot stronger and bigger than he was. He said he would – did you hear him uh, after the game Saturday? He said, you know, they had the, the recruiting profiles had me listed at 170. He said, at best, I was a mean 160. <laughs> so then he got – you know, he's been up to 182. I'm not exactly sure where he is right now, but it, it's it, – it's, it's great that they preserved the year last year for him Gosh. because he absolutely needed that. I promise you they want Braden Lindsay to play and play well. They're not trying to keep him off the field because he's not a senior. You he's just, just not quite ready to play as many snaps. No, you just have to pick yeah, your he, spots. And The fact that he wasn't even capable enough to be on the field for four games next year should have told you a yeah, lot. Yeah. Yes. And he he readily admitted that. Right? Yeah. He said, I was not ready to play college football at this level last year. See Bogan 1989 if the Vanderbilt job opens up. First ever utterance on Iron Illustrated Insider. <laughs> the AD has stated Derek Mason will be back next year. What are the chances that Vanderbilt tries to hire Clark Lee away? Would there be any incentive for Lee to stay at Notre Dame? That is a coordinator. No. I mean, if it's a head coaching position at Vanderbilt is alma mater, he should go. Yeah. That's um, and that a would, no-brainer. Because then he could get the job here later. Well, I mean, that's feasible. Another and reason. it would, another that, would yeah. that would Also speak. Nashville. 
<laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> no, but he, that, he's not getting the job without having head coaching experience, I don't think, here. I know we've softened the stance, the Swarbrick softened his stance, but there's going to be a lot of things going on, and who's making that decision in three years, we don't know. Um, yeah, if you're going to be the head coach at Vanderbilt, you can go. Yeah, it's your alma mater, so you get a Power 5 coaching job. The only issue with that is you're not going to be successful. Yeah, it would, it, I mean, it would be... It oh, would be, I mean, James Franklin worked out. No, it did work out, but it would be hard for it's him to be as successful job. as Derek Mason. Mm. I mean, you know... Me, I don't know. That's an interesting. Hey, look, he's would a, he be better or worse than Derek Mason? I don't know. I he's a great... He be better. He's a tremendous defensive coordinator, and so therefore he may be a better head coach in Canada than Derek Mason. I, I, we don't know, but we. I, all I know is O'Malley and I continue to underestimate how many points yeah, he's going to give up every two week. touchdowns this week. There is no reason to raise it because A.J. Dillon's on the field. Goodness. <laughs> Golly. <laughs> I watch. I do. I, 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 I watch too much film. <laughs> Stop. Enough. SF Castillo. Uh, Castillo, uh, please run down all of Stanford's injuries and how they will impact the game. I have a list here. I don't know if it's complete. I do know that three of their projected starting offensive linemen at the beginning of the year, Walker Little, Devery Hamilton, Henry Haddis, are all out and have been out. They're secondary. And replaced by freshmen. Right, yes. Who are still freshmen. Who are still freshmen. <laughs> They're secondary led by Paulson Adebo, Obi Ebo, Trey John Butler, those guys are all listed as questionable this weekend. I think they're all out. Safety Malik Antoine, uh, tight end Tucker Fisk, who's a big, strong, physical dude. Um, he is listed as questionable. The key one, I think, is KJ Costello, of course. He's had a thumb injury. He's listed as questionable. I still would expect Davis Mills to be the quarterback. It's the most accurate quarterback Notre Dame has ever faced, according to Brian Kelly. And if remember, maybe Jake Fromm was on the roster uh, schedule with us here. What was that today? I missed that. <laughs> yeah, I think I was more, more impressive. I think Stanford. I was lost by squash and him confusing Easter and Thanksgiving. <laughs> he was more. He was more impressed. Did he with, say Easter? Yeah, he said he really? Easter. The team will have Easter dinner this week. I'm like, oh. okay. Is that different? It's going to be a completely different yeah. menu if it's Easter. It's different time of year. My son asked me when Easter is. Uh, kicker, Jet, <laughs> kicker Jet Toner is out, who's a great kicker. I heard something about Connor Weddington getting banged up this past weekend. I don't have any information on that. But needless to say, they are very beaten up. Uh, so is Notre Dame a little bit uh, on the defensive line. Stanford's injuries have impacted their season and will continue to do so this week. I yes I, I there's I don't think there's any doubt about that especially the offensive yeah. line you can't you can't replace that. Jay Salvatore will Notre Dame be able to establish a running game against Stanford's front? Well, they're giving up four point four yards per carry, which is quite a bit. It's an improvement, I believe, over last year. Uh, but does a stat like that really matter when it comes to Notre Dame's running game? I I, I don't remember, really know. Remember how bad Stanford's. Pass defenses. So um, I think Notre Dame will just be able to score a bunch of points the way they choose to do it, and they're going to choose passing because it's harder for them to run. Kind of similar, I mean, right? I mean, is that yeah? No, the logic I think yeah, and is, I think it's kind of similar to what you what was chosen to do against Boston College. Yeah, plenty of yards rushing against. I mean, they have plenty of yards through these last few weeks. It doesn't matter how you get them when you're when you're scoring that many points. <laughs> if you want to see Notre Dame go up and dominate the line of scrimmage, you probably won't. 
but I think they'll pass protect well. Stanford does have a 26 sacks, which is an odd, it's a nice middle number, middle of ground number for such a terrible pass defense, but they're so young in the back end. Book is going to have another good day. Book will probably lead him in rushing again because he's escaping and doing a great job running the ball, and it's going to be one more passing yards and rushing yards, I would, I would guess. I don't know why you would approach this game any other way than my rolling passing offense against a terrible pass defense. Uh, Kate Beasley asks, how can Stanford have fallen so far? Is this a two-year anomaly, or do you think they are restricted so much that they will never return under David Shaw? I guess, I mean, return to what? Yeah, I mean, I don't think... return to being eight. Yeah, I don't think four and seven is the norm for Stanford. I think you're right, Pete. Eight and four next year, even. Just guys get healthier that we're missing the offensive line in the secondary. The secondary was playing four rookies this week. I mean, like, at some a, point, USC is not going to be a total shambles. Uh, right. Oregon is back up now. Um, you know, Washington is down this year, but I think you know Stanford in in the Pac-12 North has fallen behind Washington and Oregon and Utah and Utah. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's now they're sort of like a mediocre conference team. They're not competing for conference championships anymore. Um, you know, if they were in the South, like I said, USC eventually will be good again. Right. right. Um, there's I don't know. I, I sort of look at that and say, I can't figure out how Sanford's going to get back to, to winning 10, 11 games. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to say that David Shaw just rode the coattails <clears throat> of Jim Harbaugh, but at least initially he did. And, and I think that he then benefited recruiting wise because of the success that, that they were having. But he got to year seven. So although he initially did, he got seven years post Harbaugh where he beat Notre Dame with Kevin Hogan and Notre Dame's. Ten and three team, yeah, you know that was contending two weeks prior for a playoff berth. So he did. A, he, I don't. Th- I agree with you. He's not getting back, but I, I think he did more than ride the coattails. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah definitely. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. I mean, I, it, it would be normal for you to say initially that that's what he was doing, but I think he yeah. proved well beyond that. Uh, Judge Arthur Vandalay, how happy are you that it's a one p.m. Pacific Standard Time and a four p.m. Eastern time kickoff Saturday for Notre Dame Stanford. It's an all time celebration if that's on the East Coast or in the Southeast. Yes. Um, this is just nice and happy. It's still better. Yeah, when we yeah, when the most we important end, thing is it's in the Pacific time. Yeah, right. Yes. When we end yeah. on the West Coast, we don't really care what time they kick off if right. it's night. Nice, but I absolutely prefer this. Will prefer this because when it's a night game. You know, we're getting back to our hotel sometime between 1.30 and 3 a.m. Right, so. especially an hour drive, because right. Palo Alto is not where we stay in San Francisco. And there's always the bonus, Pete, of uh, when it's a night game. You have somewhere to go hang out in Manhattan Beach or San Francisco in the morning. It's kind of fun. And you wake up and watch Ohio State, Michigan. But guess what? I'll take four hours earlier. Add yeah. four hours to the end of our day. <laughs> what, we'll be done at 9 o'clock. Right. So we're uh, we're pleased with that. Heavy Hank 35, with the third Ted win season in a row seemingly imminent, are the factors in place, such as recruiting, coaching, training, that will make 10 wins the new floor rather than ceiling? I mean, I think it's the floor a majority of the time, but I wouldn't say that it's it's going to be that way every year, year after year. Uh, you know, a lot of the joy of this season was was sapped because of the expectations based upon last year. I was going to say, there was, what's the joy in this season again? Well, I don't know. If you look on message boards. I no, I get it. no. I mean, I I get it. But I mean, <clears throat> since Michigan, and I and I understand because it's so one sided. But um, <laughs> they're not going to win ten or eleven games every year. 
No, that was the that was a difficult thing about um, podcasting and message boarding this off season was how crazy we were to not think they would win twelve games. Where it's just not natural to think they're going to win twelve games after losing those guys. They are going to surpass Vegas's projected win total, and they are going to meet all three of ours. And then some people on the board were just off by a game, and they could have stolen that one in Georgia. Right? I mean, yeah, that's, no, that's they, what they the have. bottom line is. I don't. I mean, if you pick twelve and zero, you always pick twelve and zero, right? If anybody out there picked 12 and all, they pick 12 and all the time. If they pick playoffs, they pick playoffs all the time. I don't think I, um, in 38 years, have ever picked 12 and all. 1989? No. I, yeah, I don't, I don't yeah. remember exactly. I, I'm not sure that, I mean, obviously we're making, yeah, maybe 89 I, I would have, but. Probably got some angry letters sent through the U.S. Postal Service after such a prediction. <laughs> Pete's had a rough uh, couple days with I've people just, talking to him I, recently, I think, on the mess. No, I just I <laughs> think of you, like you, Priester, and uh, Lou Simoji as well. I was like, is this what it was like to cover the Holtz era when like they're winning a bunch of oh, games I'm and te- people are just miserable? I'm te- I, I can't tell you how many conversations I had with irate fans. It was usually the same group, but with, <laughs> with irate fans saying that Holtz was going to ruin Notre Dame football because he doesn't throw the tight end, they don't throw the football enough. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. No matter how high the bar is set, it can always well, be raised Romelli a little bit higher. Scholastic quote from the seventies. <laughs> yes, the Notre Dame fan is dying. I just, I, you know, sometimes the the joy uh, and look, we enjoy what we do for a living, but sometimes it feels like all the joy of the job and following Notre Dame is just ripped away. Because of the expectations of not only, and it's way more than just winning. It's 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 got to be way more than winning. You have to destroy the opposing team, and it better start within the first seven minutes of the game. I get there's disappointment because of the lingering loss. I that is completely reasonable. That never, that was inconceivable. It would happen in that way. It probably should not have happened in that way. But you can't not enjoy any part of football just because you're not going to playoffs. And now I look. We this is starting about the last year and a half. I have been on this theme. The the playoffs are starting to make things less fun, and that's what I'm afraid of in the regular season because you can't stop talking about the playoffs. Like these November games are fun. They this is part of the play. I, I agree with a post I saw on Twitter. I, I, I think it was Pete Burns. I forget who. Not local. He was saying the playoffs were great this week. O- Oregon was eliminated. Oh yeah, Penn State was eliminated. No, you know, I, I mean, that. that's that is what's fun about this sport, and people really can't stop talking about playoffs, man. It's just like that's all there is. And it start it starts earlier and earlier every year. And I was disagreeing with Pete, never never voicing it when you were talking about some bowl games and how it's not as significant. You're right. Like I like the bowl games still, the bigger the bigger ones. I don't mean oh, New Year's Six type, yeah, like Cotton yeah, Bowl. Yeah, I, I think it's great yeah. that I think you should still be getting up for those games. Um, I don't, of course, the third tier bowls we all make fun of, and we should. I the pinstripe bowls I, and stuff like that. I, but the, the the big the New Year's Day bowls. That's why it was kind of fun when they won on New Year's Day against LSU. I know it wasn't a major six bowl, but it was kind of like the the feeling of a major bowl win if you're a fan. Yeah, if you're a fan, I look, I look forward to every bowl every day. During December, I do. I, I don't. Not the pinstripe bowl in Notre Dame. No, I. Oh no. <laughs> no, <laughs> I know that's for a fact. No, I'm, ta- I'm talking about other <laughs> any games. Any game you can turn on your TV. Any yes. game and I can turn off at the end with no right, work. And, right. Exactly. <laughs> and any game that I can sit and 
analyze pregame and say, okay, I think this is going to happen, whether I spend three minutes or 30 minutes Especially on it. Especially with DraftKings.com available in Indiana. Yes. Okay. Shane0607, any chance Coach Kelly coaches beyond 2023? A chance? I, a chance. I would put it right there. But that's, I would, that's the that's well, would, everybody's stopping. Going, I would right? be a little bit more pessimistic than that. I, I would say. I think 22, though. Don't you? Beyond be, 2023. That he'll be here in 2022, so there's only one yeah. more year. Yeah. I think yeah, but I he think, wants he I, wants the contract extension through 2023. Yeah, I think he'll coach through 2023. Um, and then not be. But I'm with what Priester's saying. It's I I don't know how likely that at that point. At, yeah, Brian Kelly has other visions for his life at that point. There are other does. fairways he would like to hit the ball absolutely, down. and plenty of jack to spend. Way to go, K man! If Georgia and Michigan met on a neutral site, who wins? Is it raining? Yeah. Mm. Um, Georgia. I would absolutely say Georgia. They'll shut down Michigan's running game, like they shut down most running games, and uh, they would murder Shea Patterson as they needed to. I don't think it would be a real high-scoring game. No, I don't know, because Georgia's offense is right. the one of the playoff contenders Ugh, where you think that's right. not right. This no, I agree. going to be a thing. They would, they would, I would go against Georgia if they make it in the playoffs. Because I, I think they're going to show up like they do in every ACC championship game and play with their helmets on fire against LSU. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to be enough because LSU is so right. potent. But, I mean, we've seen them twice against Alabama. They look like – they never look like that. Only against – they look crazy in those games. Right. I'm going to – if they make it, I'm going against them in the first playoff game. Because their offense is not as good no. as other teams. No, it's not. I'll go Michigan just to be contrarian about it. And you want um, to rain, right? So yeah. Can, yes. I mean, Georgia's offense is bad. Um, it's, it just it feels it looks broken. It's hard to watch. Um, and Mich- Michigan seems to be playing with a lot of confidence, which all could come they crashing do. down this weekend. <laughs> I still, I still, I would still yeah. go with SEC talent over Michigan. Oh, SEC bias! Right I can't. Yeah. Uh, what I can't say <laughs> well, that. Well, they'd be playing a neutral site, and if it's not the playoff, the SEC team is contractually obligated to not care. So <laughs> yes. Michigan wins the game. There you go. You won. That's why Georgia lost to Texas last year in the Sugar Bowl. They didn't care. PG Dumont, will the college football playoff have Oregon above Notre Dame? Well, no. Does it matter with respect to the Cotton Bowl? Uh, well, if Oregon beats Utah, they will. That's but the, the, Notre Dame's not involved in the playoff. Every week that we talk about like bowl, outlook, it just keeps getting worse for Notre Dame. Oh, committee. I'm sorry. Yeah. I read this wrong. College just, football playoff rankings. Yeah, I tomorrow, was like, what is this? Tomorrow, yeah. No, yeah, sure. tomorrow yes. Oregon will probably be ahead of Notre Dame. Even if Oregon beats Utah, then Utah and Oregon will be ahead of Notre Dame. As will Penn State, because they're not going to lose to Rutgers this weekend. It pretty, like the door has basically been shut on Notre Dame in the New Year's Six. What what was what were Herb Street and his people talking about? They were talking about Notre Dame. If they go ten two, they're going to the Orange Bowl. What what do you? I don't know. He said Chase Young was getting suspended four games. Lack so of I'm research not sure. I think, just, on that one. Yeah, I don't. They looked at something on Twitter that they shouldn't have looked at. <laughs> Wisconsin and Minnesota can both fall behind Notre Dame because one's going to lose this sure. week and one's going to get murdered. Um, Okay. What is going to get lit up like a yeah. Christmas tree in a couple weeks? Yeah. Uh, Michigan could fall behind Notre Dame because they could lose this week. Now, if they lose a if they lose a real head knocker, I don't think right. they do. Um, Georgia won't. Penn State uh, won't. Penn State won't. I guess you're right. They're not going to yeah. lose at home to Rutgers right. this weekend. Yeah. No, I don't mean that. I mean they yeah. might fall behind now, yeah, um, no, they which they won't. So who's left? There's uh, oh Auburn. If Auburn loses again, they probably will. Yeah. Although we kind of mentioned. They lose by two points to Alabama. Do you think any less of Auburn is a four-loss team than you is a three-loss team? There's just a lack. There's just not spots for Notre Dame yeah. at this point. They're the fifth-ranked two-loss team right now. Um, with a three-loss team also in front. With, well, with, 
in the AP coaches ball, I was just looking, which doesn't really matter, right. but um, you know the playoff poll maybe Notre Dame moves ahead of uh, Auburn this week only because SC, Virginia Tech, Navy probably will all be ranked. Last week, I think only SC was ranked. Yeah. Um, yeah, if the committee will look a little – if all these things work yeah. out, well, either Virginia or Virginia Tech is going to lose this week. Um, but if you, had, if you had Navy, USC, the winner of that, or like Virginia ranked. But they don't – those are still all ranked below Notre Dame. It doesn't move it enough. And let's yeah. face it, there's only one reason Notre Dame is not moving, and it has everything to do with October 26th. Yeah, no question. And not being able to, to, to beat a, a, a big-time, big-name team since then. It's the Camping World Bowl. Yeah, the Camping World Bowl Twitter account was tweeting at me over the weekend. Uh, and then Notre Dame fans were like, no, 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 we don't want any part of this game. And the Camping World Bowl was actually replying to those tweets. <laughs> we saw the Gator Bowl yeah. reps in the elevator. I, why were they there? Because I, of Notre Dame lost. We asked them. We, oh. Somebody said, what are you doing here? Like joking. And he goes, well, you don't want to know why we're here. And so he goes, well, if you guys lose. And I was like, wow. that's what. So yeah, the Gator Bowl is there in case Notre Dame lost. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you know, just real briefly, uh, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, the two likely candidates. Uh, both teams score a lot of points, which is a good matchup for Notre Dame because their defense doesn't give up a lot of points. I'd, I'd attend either of those games to I'd cover like, it. I'd really like Oklahoma. <laughs> Oklahoma State would be fun. Sounds a little better, right? Yeah, I think – well, I think – I. It, Pete talked about this a couple of weeks ago about just the narrative <laughs> with, with Iowa State, you know, it's, and it's Campbell. I'm there, I'm there for the Matt Campbell thing. But Oklahoma State sounds better. That's what you're saying. Yes, yeah, I'm no, I understand yeah. it. I think either one is a challenging matchup for Notre Dame. Absolutely. All right. Wednesday. Wednesday. We're back on Wednesday. And a reminder, next week it'll be on Tuesday when we get back from Stanford. Thanks for joining us. This is Irish Illustrated Insider. Indiana Dunes Tourism, located between Chicago and South Bend in Northwest Indiana, is a proud supporter of Irish Illustrated. Extend your Notre Dame visit with a trip to the nation's newest national park. Visit indianadunes.com.